This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hey, it's Doug here, and I just got back from Camp Phi Southeast. It was a blast. I had a great time, and I recorded a few episodes there. The sad part is Carl, he wasn't able to join me. So I, I was recording down there solo, and we got two episodes. It was a little bit of a podcast takeover, but I did get some help from some friends. So Diana, Miriam, and Maggie Tucker helped me out. They have podcasts of their own, and I knew they would... They'd be great up there on the stage with me, which was just a table. It wasn't actually a stage, but we were in the front of the room. For this particular episode, we took questions from the audience, and we had them submit them, just write them on a piece of paper, and in hindsight, you know, I'm a little wiser now, so a couple things. I probably should have seated the, uh, we had a, a pink bucket of questions. So I should have seated the bucket with a few questions that I knew would engage us with uh, some additional conversation. I did leave it open. I actually wanted to have some uh, off the wall questions in there. And we, we certainly got a few off the wall questions. Maybe the majority of them were off the wall and non really phi related. And there's one point in here, and I, I want to make sure I, I say this so it, it's on the record. But at some point, I read a couple questions and I either said, this is a bad question or this is a dumb question. I probably said both of those. It was for theatrics. I think maybe we just didn't know the context. And uh, I, I froze up and I, I just started talking. So whoever wrote the question, which I don't know, these were anonymous questions. So whoever wrote the question, it was fine. I wanted to get some stuff in there that was off the wall. But uh, here's the deal. Since I was producing, I set up all the camera gear and just kind of facilitated the whole thing. I didn't have as much time to go through the questions, get other questions and that sort of thing. And when Carl and I teamed up back in Camp Fi Rocky Mountain last summer, he and I sort of divided some of the tasks. So it works a little better if, if you're able to do that. And maybe next time I'll know that I should ask for some help. Someone can run around and uh, gather up some of those questions. So the other piece that I'll mention, I don't want to make this intro super long, is the audio in the room was very tough. So I did my best. I think you'll find that uh, Maggie and Diana and myself, we usually sound fine. Uh, if there's any cheering, it may be a little loud. So as soon as, as soon as I send it over to the panel, there's a, there will be some cheering because everyone was excited for the recording, but it, it sort of dies down. But just keep in mind, I did my best with the audio in that room, but there's only so much uh, an amateur can do. So thanks to Maggie and Diana, there's links to their shows, to their blogs, social media, all that stuff. Please check out uh, everything they're working on and I'll stop delaying. Let's send it over to the panel over at Camp Fi. And thanks to Steven for letting me take over in the evenings and record a podcast. Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. I am Doug Cunnington and I'm sad because Carl Jensen is not here with me, but I'm ecstatic because we are recording live 
Campfi Southeast 2022, is that right? And we have a live audience right here. We collected questions today. We don't know what's in here exactly. There, I know there's some weird questions. I gathered that. And I do have uh, some, some guests here with me today, Maggie and Diana, which thanks a lot for joining me. And I'll let each of you talk about you know, your show. You each have podcast, And you, you can pitch stuff if you want to. Great. But really, what we need to do before that is talk about our drinks. So Diana, what do you have there? Uh, very sophisticated vodka soda. I like your drinkware glass. Um, thank too. you. It's got like um, a cafeteria vibe. Yeah, very much going for the cafeteria vibes. Um, yeah, that's what I got. It's plastic glass for the podcast listeners. Pl- plastic glass, yeah. lightly worn, kind of a mm-hmm. hipster vibe. Yeah, it's cool. And you know, I offered up vintage. The, I offered up to the group yesterday, like, if you want a vodka soda, I got you. And like, people actually really wanted me to like mix their vodka sodas. They didn't understand that it was literally just ice. Vodka and soda. It's really nothing special, but I got the magic pour. I like it. And then I have a Swamphead Brewery Big Nose IPA. I'm going to pop it open right now. And then what do you have, Maggie? I have, this is a local Atlanta brewery. I have a Three Taverns Lord Grey, which is a Earl Grey-inspired sour ale. Nice. You guys are fancy. Are you sure you don't want the cafeteria glass? (laughs) (laughs) Next. Plasticware? Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Without spilling our drinks. Cheers. Eye contact. Good luck. (laughs) And then, Diana, tell us about your podcast before we get rolling here. Yeah, so I'm the host of the Optimal Finance Daily podcast. It's a daily show, narration-style podcast where I read blog posts from the bloggers that you all know and love. I offer a tiny bit of commentary on it. I like to say that these amazing bloggers wrote these great songs, and I get to perform the covers. So that's the show. And then Maggie, you're texting during a podcast. To be clear, (laughs) I'm texting my husband to say, could you take some pictures, please? And then I was like, you know what? I could just say it live. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. He's right there. Okay. Thanks, Greg. And the great part is we don't edit this stuff out, so Perfect. it will that's, be in That's here. my favorite. So what is your what is your podcast? Um, my podcast is Friends on Fire, right here for those visually looking. Um, I started it with a buddy of mine about two years ago, a friend of mine at work, and we both discovered that we personally got a lot of value after having really open financial, deep open financial discussions with each other. And we decided to share that with the rest of the world. So we talk about everything from fire to frugal living, general personal finance, investing topics. A little bit of everything. Thank you both for joining me. Let's get to the questions. All right. So this is a, I, I want to save that one for a little bit later, just to, just to warm us up. It's a great question. Not a good icebreaker. Yeah. Okay. So this one is of all the avenues you have pursued, which is the most fulfilling? Any initial thoughts? Who wrote that question? What do you mean by that? Yeah, more avenues. And we don't have a good back and forth. Okay. You've done websites, you've done uh, courses, you've done podcasts, you've done W2 work, you've been self-employed. What was the path of this resistance for you? What, what, okay. You said don't retire, so which one will you not retire? Hmm. 
For me, each one of the different pieces was a stepping stone to something more interesting. So each one, when I started, was the most challenging thing. <laughs> so there's, there's no path of least resistance, if that makes sense. So each one was challenging, and that made it interesting. So now I like podcasting and recording YouTube videos like I'm doing right now. Is that helpful at all? A little bit. <laughs> uh, so the website, you took a website, so it started another one. Was it just as challenging as the first one in, with your response then? Uh, yes, uh, but different challenges. So it always changes. But we'll take it offline since it's not a super good format for back and forth. Sorry, sorry for that. Okay. Next one. Skip that one too. I'm, Hold I'm on. Really one you guys yeah. skip them. I'm like, what was that question? Just <laughs> that's what I'm getting out of this. Okay, no. <laughs> Next one here is what is your side hustle exit plan? So I think that is also directed at me. I did a talk on side hustles earlier. Everyone here in the audience knows that. So I don't have a specific exit plan. And I think in the FI community, a lot of times we want to plan really far out. It's very hard to do in entrepreneurship. You don't know what's going to happen. So I like what I'm doing right now, and I'll probably get bored a little bit, and then I'll want to shift just a bit. So one thing I haven't announced or talked about is we're doing a podcast network also. So we're going to have multiple shows. So that'll be another layer of complexity since I like podcasting and I can help other people do that too. So uh, any thoughts on Yeah, I mean, I think... Question? And an exit plan is finding something better. You yeah. know, like if you find something better that's more interesting, that's where you want to spend your time, then pivot to that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think when you create something, you get emotionally attached to it. So economy, for example, this conference that I created, it's really hard for me to envision an exit plan. I guess dying is my exit plan Aww. with that one. A, let's think of like, a different one. Well, it's like it's like my baby, you know? Like I'm, I'm emotionally attached to it. I didn't create it as a source of income or a business. It's not like I'm some tech founder where the dream is to sell it to someone. You know, I created it as a passion project. And so, yeah, I, it's, I don't know that there's an exit plan for something that you love. Yeah, I'd also say, I think my exit plan for everything is FI. It's just the idea that I have financial freedom to be able to, at any point, if I'm not enjoying something anymore, you know, gracefully exit it when and if I need to, whether it's making money or not. Perfect. And the last thing I'll mention is I had a couple projects that, that were my babies, but then eventually I was like, I'll just sell it. So now I'm like less attached. You to killed things. your baby. So, I did, no, he yeah. sold oh his God. baby. I sold That's it. different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So could could you? I, I know. Basically, you just said you would. You can't envision selling economy. Here, I think part How of the reason. Well, there's always a price. I I hear that. I think part of the reason why I feel strongly about that is because in my corporate career, I watched um, the company that I worked for was acquired. Then we were spun off, then we were joint ventured, and our kind of parent company grew through acquisition. And I watched all of these amazing entrepreneurs build these things they were really proud of, and then sell it to someone else and watch them run these businesses into the ground. And 
I think watching that just had a really big impact on me and it would make it, it just made, would make it really hard for me to sell something and like yeah. watch something you worked so hard to build, maybe not go the direction that you would want it to. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Next question is, what is your opinion on the viability of utilizing OnlyFans as a side hustle to achieve five? Do it. <laughs> so, Maggie, you were super interested in this earlier, so what's your opinion? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I don't think I was, but thank you, Doug. Um, you know, I frequently, well, that, that said specifically in achieving Phi. So I have already personally achieved Phi, but I can talk about when I would use OnlyFans. So I, I frequently have said that, you know, I'm like, I'm, we're retiring in about a month, my husband and I, and I have some level of fear associated with it. And I'm, you know, thinking about what could go wrong and what if things cost more than I expected? What if there's inflation? What if there's World War III? All these things that are actually happening right now. And... I've always, the one thing that always gets me through it is like, I can always make money again, right? And I'm, I'm a resourceful person, I'm intelligent, I've got a diverse skill set. And I hadn't put OnlyFans on my list of things I could do, but I always said, I'll do anything if I had to like put food on the table for my kids. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's now in the category of like, if I had to, sure. Yeah. 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 Right? And I hadn't, I hadn't considered it before, but like now that it's mentioned, like I do have good looking feet, <laughs> you know, like I really think I do. I'm not like, so inappropriate to look you gotta, you gotta like use, use your, the assets that you have, right? Leverage your assets. Yeah. I'm already using my hot voice, right. you know, so, um, I am not above it. Yeah. I, I say, why not? Yeah. And we have get some cheers from the audience on that one. <laughs> some whistles. And you have like we all have microphones, so the ASMR is like oh, yeah. right yeah. in our totally. reach. Everybody know what that is? Just Google oh, it. Later. My kids do it in my ear. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's noises that are like gentle and relaxing, right? That's yeah. not the best definition of ASMR, yeah. but Google it. Okay. Next question is, how much did it cost to get started with YouTube? So do you guys have a presence on YouTube? I do. It costs nothing. Yeah, it was free. Free. Yeah. So, and I think the person might be asking a little about equipment and, and stuff like that. So did you invest in equipment or well, anything? Well, I do. Mostly what I have on YouTube is um, the videography from the Economy Conference. So I do invest quite a lot of money in that. Um, sound engineers, lighting engineers, the, there's like three camera angles. Um, but as far as like, I've done some, um, I guess like webinars that I just filmed using zoom and then just kind of edited and uploaded. Mm -hmm. So in, for that stuff, no, there wasn't any cost to it. Cool. Yeah. And for me, I have a DSLR over there and a couple nice lenses. I have a recorder. So probably all in with this setup right here, it's probably like $1,500, $2,000, something like that. And I bought most of it used or refurbished, mm. so that brings the cost down quite a bit. But you could do like 90% on your phone and it'll be just yeah, fine. good enough quality. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't like go overboard initially. I would just use what you have until you can't help it but to like get the next thing. So, all right. 
This one is, I don't know what it means, but. Another OnlyFans question. (laughs) It might be related to that, I'm not sure. Can you explain party pants? Diana, specifically. So, um, the way this came about is that I don't really care about clothes. I hate clothes shopping. I've been wearing the same thing for years. And so every now and then, like, I'll have a friend that's like, let's do something about this. <laughs> you know, your clothes are worn out. You need new clothes. And so I had a friend the other day. We went clothes shopping. I bought these pants. It's not something I would normally wear, but they're super comfortable. I feel like I'm wearing, like, pajamas. And... So I don't know. I just oh, call them my party, the party pants. pants. The ones you're wearing right yeah. now. Yeah, I didn't realize the party right pants now, were on. My party pants. That's cool. Yeah. What do you think about them? Like, is a woman? <laughs> well, I mean, I think they look very nice. Oh, thanks. Yeah. They're just like they're wide leg. They look comfy. I feel like they move weird when I walk. I felt like if I called them party pants, maybe I would like them better. Yeah. <laughs> they look good. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Thanks for that weird question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What made you think it was a good idea to start a podcast? So let's start with you, Maggie. Um, I, we, again, I mean, I think I said this a second ago, but we were having these conversations anyways, and we felt like there was something a little bit different that we wanted to do from some of the podcasts we had heard. Um, What was the question again? What made you think it was a good idea? Oh, it was a good idea to start a podcast. Um, Yeah, I think we just thought it can't hurt to try. We wanted to put something out there. We felt like it was a little bit different. And honestly, we were going to enjoy it. And we thought, let's put it out there, see if anybody else enjoys it. And we were right in the sense that a lot of the feedback we get is that we're having like a conversation amongst friends. And it's not like a dry in the weeds finance podcast where, you know, we're talking about super technical things all of the time. And so I think, you know, we did kind of hit a little bit of just something that is a little bit different in the approach that we take. Um, and so, I, but I think some of it was like, let's just try it and see what happens and see if anyone listens mm-hmm. and see if we enjoy it. And we really did enjoy it and people did listen. And so, yeah. Cool. And then are there certain podcasts, you know, you talked about ones that were too technical. Which podcast do you not like? Do you want to call oh. <laughs> I like all the podcasts. So for people that haven't started a podcast and they're thinking, hey, maybe I want my voice out there, but it's too saturated or something mm-hmm. like that. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I, I mean, I think my advice would be if it's something that you want to do and you enjoy doing it do it, you know, give it a shot. It, uh, there's tons of voices out there, right? Your, your one voice isn't the one thing that's going to like tip the market over of there's now too many podcasts out there. Um, and the other thing that my uh, co-host and I, Mike, always say is, look, even when we had a smaller audience in the beginning, if you had asked if we would go and have this, com- like the conversation we're having right now in a room of maybe, you know, 50 people, and we had more than 50 people listen to every podcast, if we had said, you know, is it worth our time to have this conversation if only 50 people are listening every week? We were like, actually, yeah, because we enjoy doing it, and 50 people is 50 people, right? And it's way more than that even. And so um, for us, it's just been, it's been sort of, you know, validated by the fact that we, you know, people seem to enjoy it. So. And then have you seen any, like, benefits that you didn't expect from doing the show kind of to go on top of what you just said like maybe when you go to live events or something like that yeah I think 
one of the things I didn't fully appreciate is when people reach out to us and, and say something like that we've had a meaningful impact on their journey in some way and that they've really changed the way they approach something or they've for the first time ever started tracking their expenses and um, been motivated to save differently and kind of change their lifestyle. Like it's incredibly rewarding. Like I don't think I appreciated that. I mean, I knew people would listen or somebody, at least my mom and uh, not my husband, but my mom does listen. Um, but <laughs> uh, true story, quiz him on most topics. He couldn't tell you. Um, but I, but yeah, so yeah, got getting it. off on a tangent. That's good. All right, and then Diana, you came yeah. into it a little different. Can you tell us how you got into podcasting? Yeah, so it was really by surprise. Um, I had done a lot of podcast interviews to promote the Economy Conference, and so I had gone to FinCon. Um, for me, like I get a, like a lot of speakers there and sponsors, and it was more business to business kind of thing. But I was in the FinCon group on Facebook, and I was doom scrolling one night, <laughs> and the producers of the show, Optimal Finance Daily, it's been around for probably over six years now. They had a voice actor who was the host previously, so he was just reading the articles. They wanted someone that can offer a little bit of commentary that's like a little bit more well-versed in personal finance. And when I saw this opportunity, it was like everything in my body was like, oh, that's mine. Like there were so many synergies between what I do with economy and what they were doing with the podcast because it's a lot of curation of content. And, you know, um, I thought it would be amazing because it's such a big audience to be able to like offer that to people who I was courting to be speakers to be like, hey, I can get you in front of this big audience on the podcast and read your content. Um, it just seemed like this amazing opportunity and the fact that it paid it. Even and honestly, I just, I auditioned for it and I mean, I just couldn't believe that I got it. There were a lot of people that are much well better known in the space that also auditioned and I kind of like beat them out. I was like so satisfied. You know? It's that voice, Diana. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. this voice. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I just, it was something that I kind of fell into accidentally, but to me, it's um, kind of this saying that I say to myself all the time is you can't possibly anticipate t today the opportunities that present themselves tomorrow. And the podcast opportunity was something that uh, I didn't even know that I wanted until it crossed in front of me. And so having the space in your life to be able to seize those opportunities, like we talk about pursuing five so that we have the bandwidth to handle the obstacles that life throws at us, but life also throws as many opportunities as obstacles. And now podcasting is like the only way I make money right now. I took on a second show where I'm reading horoscopes every day, you know, and it's the, the producers that I work with are incredible people and it's like a dream job. I mean, I work an hour and a half of a day. They do all of the editing and production and distribution and they pick the articles and I'm like literally just the voice act acting. Um, you asked about a side benefit and what I thought for that was um, I had never really thought of myself as a content creator. Like I look up to the content creators, like the bloggers and the podcasters and people out there like creating amazing stuff. I looked at myself as just an event producer. I just created a stage for the people who really know what they're doing to get on the stage. And so I think a side benefit from Optimal Finance Daily is that 
I have to write 300 words of commentary for every episode. And I think it helps me get over my fear that like, I actually do have something to say. Mm. Um, and I read, we have about 200 contributors, um, contributing authors, and I've read over 500 articles now. And so I feel like what I'm adding to that mix, like I do have a voice, I do have something to add to it. So kind of to your point before, like if you wanna do it and it brings you satisfaction, don't feel discouraged because there's so much else out there. There's, there's also so many people that need to hear this kind of content. So, um, so yeah, if, if you're so inclined, like add your voice into the mix, you could be the person that, you know, influences someone in a way that you wouldn't expect. Nice. Next question. Do you believe in the 4% rule? could start with that if you want. Um, I don't not believe in it, but I'm a little bit more conservative, and so I want more than that personally because I just want to. I want to be prepared for additional things that I didn't predict, and that you know, sort of worst case scenario, mm-hmm. essentially. And so I believe in it, and especially back to the point earlier on, you know, it's it's I think aggressive in some ways, but you also, everyone we're talking to and everyone in this room could go back and make money if they had to, right? If, if they base everything they've done on the 4% rule and some things are off in their projections or in you know, how the market performs or whatever, you can always go back and find ways to earn more money. And you probably, what I hear from most people anyways is you do even without trying in your you know, retirement, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. And then do you have a specific percentage, like 3.25 or something that I you don't. do for? No, okay. I'm a little looser in my, I just like to see that I've got a lot of buffers on top of that math. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, my understanding is that it's a guideline. It's a rule of thumb. How you apply it to your specific situation is going to vary. I mean, it's based off of the Trinity study, right? Mm-hmm. And the Trinity study is like, what were the portfolios that they did the Trinity study on? Is your portfolio perfectly matched on what they studied? Because if you're, if if it isn't, then you're not really comparing apples to apples, yeah. right. right? And so, my understanding now, I'm not in a place in my, I'm still in the accumulation phase. I don't really anticipate on drawing down from my portfolio for many years. So to me, it's like so far off that I'm just like not worried about it yet. Um, but from the people in the community that I talk to that are actively drawing down and like how they actually manage that, they use 4% as a guideline and then they are reevaluating their financial situation every year based on market dynamics, how things have performed. Um, and it's not, it's just a rule of thumb. It's not gospel. Yeah. Yeah. It's well said. I agree. Nothing to add. (laughs) What is one thing you know now that you wish you knew 10 years ago? It's a, it's a little deeper one. Wow. Yeah, that's, I, I would have to think about it. I guess, I mean, 10 years ago, I wasn't, I wasn't doing any of my side hustle stuff, so I probably would have said, hey, try to do something on your own, and I'd be a couple years ahead, something like that. But everything's fine now, so I can't complain. So yeah, any ideas? I'm 
my, you know, mine would be something related to just the volume of time I have left. You know, my daughter was born about 10 years ago. And, and I think about, you know, she's, you know, our kids are 10 to 13 now, but by the way, that's a blended family for anyone trying to do the math on uh, how I have a 13-year-old, but somebody, one of them was born 10 years ago. But um, I just, life is short and I can't, you know, I, I'm, we're about to get, you know, much more time with our kids for the next 10 years, but I can't get back the last 10 years. And I think about in many ways, especially in the like first five years of that 10 year question, how I was living my life then and the volume I was working and the quality of time. Like I was there with my kids, but I wasn't there. And that's probably one of the things I would go back and I would invest more early and often. Yeah, Bitcoin, right? Yeah, not Bitcoin, <laughs> but yeah. Um. I think I'm thinking about Carl's speech at the economy conference where he talks about how only 10% of your, what caught like leads to happiness is based on your circumstances. And I wish I would have known that when I was younger, I think I still fight against that. Like if I just accomplish this thing or, you know, we're always kind of striving for something and I'm trying to learn how to just like arrive at contentment where I am because where I am right now is where I dreamed of being 10 years ago. And so if I can't find contentment and happiness now, it's like if I continue to move the goal post, I'm just never going to reach it. And so um, I feel like I'm in this process of like rewiring my brain mm -hmm. to um, – just appreciate where I'm at and kind of give up this constant striving for something else. And you commented earlier, I hope it's okay that I mention it here, something about what I read between the lines is like, you're staying a little too busy. Like you're still, mm. you're running hot and you're maybe taking on too much. Is that kind of what, or yeah, you're still stressed even though you shouldn't be or something? Right. Like I don't, I have a lot more free time. I don't have a lot of the stress in my life that I used to have or obligations with work that I used to have. And so, but it's hard to turn it off. It's like, you know, I think about a lot of you guys know, like I walked the Camino in 2017. It's a 500 mile trek across Spain and it took me 38 days to do it. And once I got to the end of it, I thought I was going to be so happy to be done. But when your body gets used to walking eight hours a day, it just wants to keep doing that. And so I think we kind of condition ourselves to be busy bodies. And so how do you downshift from that and learn a different way? It's, I mean, I've quit my job over a year ago and I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. Let us know when you figure it out. Yeah, maybe I, it seems like a lifelong endeavor. <laughs> Questions? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. Um, chicken or fish? That's an easy one. Neither. I'm vegan, but thank you. Tofu? Okay. All right. How about you? Uh, I'd say chicken. I eat a lot of chicken. I like them both, but yeah, if I had to pick, probably chicken, most likely. Uh, would you or do you invest in ATMs? You mean like the machines? Yes. Um, no, I don't. And I'm not going to rule it out because I'm not super familiar with the 
prospects of what I could make. If someone has a pitch for me on like why I should invest in ATM machines, sure. Uh, but no, I'm not. Uh, no. no, I'm not either. No, low interest. It's funny that you mentioned this because my Midwestern gentleman, what he does for work is um, he deals with like. Uh, ATM branding, like when the banks buy each other, he goes and does a lot of industrial painting, hmm. vinyl wraps, um, custom like kiosks for when they're in like a parking lot, standalone ATM. He knows a lot about ATMs and like you should industry. totally get into ATMs with him. The thing is, like my understanding is that any ATM that's like well trafficked is going to be owned by a bank. Like when you own an ATM, you're going to put it in some, you know, maybe less desirable area. Yeah. Um, like my driveway. I'm not sure where I'd even yeah. put Yeah. So like, I just, yeah. I'm not really sure what the opportunity is yeah. there. And a lot of like, you would trust an ATM owned by a bank. You know, the ATMs that like look really dinky where you're like, is this going to like steal my information? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know that I would want to sign up for that. Yeah. Owning one. Yeah. So earlier I committed to reading all the questions here. So we got a couple that are, I would say, I'll just say lower quality. Seems like one of my, <laughs> seems like one of my kids submitted that question. I, yeah. I can I have $50? So. I mean, my answer would Absolutely be, it depends not. what it's for. <laughs> the question was, can I have $50? So maybe, yeah. Make a pitch later. It depends we'll what it's for. Yeah. If you're like really in a bind, we'll, we'll talk. And then this one is a little more elaborate, but still a uh, poor question. Again, I'll, I'll judge it. I'll judge it. Uh, if you are on a train going 20 miles an hour and Maggie was on a train, on train B going 25 miles per hour, should Brian become a cam girl? Yes. So, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Think? yeah. Easy yes. answer. Yes. Easy yes. answer. Yes. Okay. Uh, what, what, does, am I the only one that doesn't know what a cam girl is, by the way? Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> What's a cam girl? Uh, OnlyFans? Only only oh, is that who would hold the camera for my OnlyFans account? Nope. Nope. Okay. I'm reading the eye language. <laughs> Sounds like you can't tell me while we're recording. A simple... Uh, I'll Google it later. Yeah, Google image okay. search will tell you exactly <laughs> <what> <laughs> <Search>. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of mics and video equipment do you use? So I talked a little bit about the video equpment. And we're, we're back to serious immediately, by the way. So uh, the mics, uh, these are... Do you are, want me to take this one, Doug? Yeah, what do you I use? only say that because earlier, yesterday, Doug said, what kind of did you bring your mic? And I said, yeah, I brought my mic. What kind of mic do you have? And then he started asking me all sorts of questions about the inputs, the model number. And I was like, I don't know, dude. It's got like a purple head on it. <laughs> and then he was like, ask, and then... And then he saw the mic and said, oh, yeah, you've got the ATR 2100. And I was like, of course, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Is, yeah. So I don't, I don't know anything about no. You should answer the real question now. Yeah, the, um, I, I have a great response, but uh, it, even, it's too dirty even for my show. So I'll tell, I'll tell us all, everybody later. So uh, it, I have Shure uh, SM58s here. So those are like cheap workhorse. I got them used on eBay for like 50 or $60. So they're pretty good, pretty durable. You could like throw them on the ground and they'll still work. Let's find out. Yeah. Not yours. That's oh. a good one. Oh. The, the purple head's very uh, delicate. Expensive. All right. <laughs> 
Sorry, I'm laughing at audience comments that you can't hear. How do you feel about bank vaults as an investment? Who is wrote this like an questions? ATM question again? <laughs> oh yeah, vaults? bank bank vaults. I don't even know if that's a real yeah, investment or if that's a joke. It could it could be both. I don't so, feel about them. I'm not sure. It's like some a banker asks several questions or trying to get us interested in. <laughs> okay, so do you invest on top of your side hustle? So I think this one's directed at me. So yes, and generally, like we were investing in index funds, like many of us do, with our corporate jobs. And then I just continued on when I started entrepreneurship and just I instead of reinvesting as much, like a lot of entrepreneurs dump everything back in, I was pulling money off the table and throwing it in index funds. So I have a nice, I think I have a nice blend of like index funds and then my businesses have some value if I were to sell them, sell, sell the babies or whatever. Mm -hmm. So what, what yeah. about you with your side? Well, side? so I have not, like I quit my job a little mm -hmm. over a year ago. So it's, I'm just one year in, but like my first year, I didn't expect, like I was just hoping to not spend all my cash reserves. <laughs> You know, like I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to make enough to even be able to save anything. I was actually able to invest $10,000 this year. Um, awesome. so cover my living expenses. Plus I had a little extra and I just threw it into a Roth IRA and, um, fully funding my HSA. So yeah, I definitely plan to continue to invest with any surplus I have. Awesome. How much liquid cash is too much? Hmm. I don't think there's such a thing. It's so fun. I love this question because I hear it debated all the time. Like it's not working for you if you're holding it in cash, right? I look at it as different piles of money have different jobs. Your investments have the job of making more money. You want that money to grow. Your cash reserves or your emergency fund or your FU money or whatever you want to call it, right? I like to call mine my, either my FU money or my emergency slash opportunity fund, that job that it has is liquidity and easy access. I, it doesn't have the job of growth, so that's why it doesn't bother me that it's not growing. I keep a year um, because I think entrepreneur, entrepreneurs should keep a year, self-employed people should keep a year, especially when your income is very variable. You know, there's it's just the feast and famine of self-employment or entrepreneurship. Also, as your net worth grows, the amount of money you're keeping in cash becomes a smaller and smaller percentage of your overall net worth. It starts to matter less and less and less. So I just think the cash that you keep on hand is what makes you comfortable, right? It's what feels safe for you based yeah. on your unique situation. Um, and yeah, I, I happily keep a year of cash and I don't feel bad that it's not growing. And a lot of people think it's too much, but it also, I have a 100% stock portfolio. I don't have any bonds. So to me, having a strong cash position enables me, it like takes the place of bonds in my overall financial picture for me, yeah. because it, the likelihood that I would ever have to touch my investments is just much lower when I have a strong cash cushion. Yeah. I mean, I would just about 100% agree with everything you said. I mean, we, I probably have maybe a little more than a year. Sometimes I'll have a couple years on hand, but sometimes it's just because of when money comes in too. And I don't mm -hmm. want to, you know, I 
get a bonus at work. It's like, I don't want to dump it all into the stock market all at one time. So sometimes I'm just, you know, hanging on to things, trying to decide like, am I going to get a rental property? And you know mm -hmm. what I'm going to do with something. Um, but I agree on just the, I, I probably also skew like heavier cash at times yeah. because it's my, you know, it's just my cushion. Right. And when you look at it as like when I bought my house, for instance, I did not have intentions of buying a house. It wasn't like I was saving for years to buy a house. I had the cash on hand and this opportunity came across, you know, my plate that was just too good to pass up. And since I had the cash, I could like seize that opportunity. I wouldn't have been able to do that if it, it enables me to kind of like not plan so far ahead because you have cash for the things that are unexpected that come your way. Yeah. Nice. And just as a reference, I think we have like 18 months or something like that. And my, my wife holds a lot more cash than I do. And I think if you look at the whole asset allocation and the mm. portfolio, like also being an entrepreneur, like we play it a little safer and it's, it's riskier to have the entrepreneurship mm -hmm. angle and then you have the cash, which sort of tempers it, I think. Yeah. So, okay, great. Got a couple more. Anybody here. have a problem with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually, before we go on question. to, it's a, it's a similar question, but um, so the question was, how much is too much? So let's take it to the extreme would like four years be too much is there like at some point it's like interfering with I mean, I, yeah I, I can tell you I spent a decade holding too much cash because I it was my biggest financial regret I and it was everything like when you say how much is too much it's when everything you have is in cash that's not great right yeah. it's not I was I was paralyzed by not knowing what to do and constantly being like, oh, I'm always on the hunt for like, I need a financial planner. I need someone to tell me what to do with my money. Mm. And so I was waiting and, and I just kept amassing mm. more money. And like that, so when it's everything you have, it's too much. When it's, when it's some, like you said, as your portfolio gets bigger and it's a percentage of your portfolio, like that's when it's, you know, right. you can start right. to put so it in perspective. What got you over the hump? Um... Actually, I think listening to a lot of things in the FI space where I learned about like the simplicity of index fund investing and that I did, and actually I did hire some financial planners too, and they were terrible and I started learning more myself and they just gave like terrible advice. Yeah. Um, and I just started learning more myself through podcasts and books and that got me over the hump was just like teaching myself mm -hmm. okay. or others teaching me. So we did exactly the same thing and the more we accumulated, the more we were like, oh, we don't want to fuck this up. Yeah. And then it got even scarier. And eventually we fired our advisors who were doing a bad job. And then I think that is when we found Mr. Money Mustache, read a couple of the blog posts, and then we're like, oh, index fund, that, yeah. that makes sense. And it was and so easy. And you're like, why wasn't yeah. I doing that? You know? Yeah. Okay. Next is how much cash do you keep on your person? And then, um, yeah, how, how Someone, much? Someone, like, wants to rob <laughs> us this weekend. This is an actual question I heard, not from my kid, but we were, I was, like, in a store somewhere with some, I don't even know where, but it was, like, a Disney store somewhere, and there was some kid said to their parent, how much money do you have on you right now? And I was like, that is such a specific question. Yeah. Like, they wanted all the money on their parent right then. 
I have no money on me right no, now. No, none. I never carry. I never carry cash to the point that my debit card, where I could like go to an ATM and take cash out, because I have a. I use Schwab checking, and they don't have branches, so I get free ATMs if I ever need cash. But I carry cash so infrequently, like I can't even remember the last time I did that when I went to use my debit card one time in a very specific situation, I realized it had expired five months ago. And I had like never, like I use it so infrequently, I had no idea I had to call and like get a new card. But yeah, I just don't, I don't use cash at all. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not big on cash. I rarely have any, maybe 20 bucks if I think I need it for parking or something like that. Yeah. I do hide cash places for emergencies, like in my car and different places, and I'll every now and then find it. And I'm like, oh, look, yeah. $20. Very exciting. Cool. So if you want to just hide cash from yourself and then surprise yourself. Next question, how does the YouTube payment algorithm work? So I think I'll just assume it's... Um, around ads and such like that. So I'm not 100% sure. I typically don't run YouTube ads, maybe 5% of my videos. The ads pay a very low amount and I'm not really interested in having other people's commercials run on my content. And I like have advertisers, so I just work with them directly and then it pays a lot more and then I control exactly what's on there. And as far as the algorithm, um, if I try to think about the underlying question well, here. If you knew the answer to that, you would be a billionaire also. That's true. But it's a full true. answer. The I payment, mean. Yeah. So, yeah, the ads are, are not very much. So if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to earn money on YouTube via ads, you have to have a huge number of views. and a, I mean, you have to be very good. Yeah. I'm not that good, so I, I don't need to worry about that. I so. have a very small channel. It's like 2,000 subscribers. Um, and... I make like a hundred dollars a quarter off of the ads. I do limit, I'd started limiting them though. Like, because you can have like the sticker on top and the stuff that flashes and like, like there's like six different options of like how you can present ads. And so I limit it to like one or two, cause it's just annoying when you're mm -hmm. watching it to like stop every two seconds for an ad. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not how you're going to reach five. <laughs> I don't no. think no. that's OnlyFans as we OnlyFans only fans yeah. has potential yeah. so th that is all the questions we have here but I think do you have any questions for each other right now or me I was going to go to the audience only because I saw a hand yeah. oh actually we oh. can't do audience questions right now because the format will stop. got it yeah, okay. unfortunately so you missed your chance guys yeah so we, we needed them here we could, uh, we could sit here and answer questions afterwards but Unfortunately, it won't, it won't record well. And well, well I have a question yeah. for Maggie. So you're about to retire. Mm -hmm. What is like, do you have a vision for like your first 90 days? Like what it's going to look like? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I'm just trying to get to my last day of work right now. And I, I mean, I mean, I'm half being facetious, but I feel a large amount of like stress and anxiety leading up to my last day. Just that, cause I'm like type A, I've got a lot, I just feel the need to close things out with like a bow on top mm -hmm. and just, you know, everything's gotta be perfect. And so there's just, a, there's a lot to, to work out between now and then. But I, you know, we have a loose vision. I say we, cause my husband and I are, our last day is the same day. So we're, we're taking this plunge together. Um, 
we, one of our biggest visions is that we don't have a vision in a way, right? Like we are trying to truly decompress and not commit to too much, or I say we're supposed to be not to commit to anything, but I'm going to say too much to be realistic. Um, and really spend some time just decompressing and kind of getting back to ourselves. And um, our only plans are like, we are doing a, a trip to Europe with our kids over the summer for six weeks, which is a, you know, a little bit of like a present to all of us mm -hmm. in celebration of our retirement. Um, but no, we don't have like hardcore goals. I mean, I have some categories of stuff I want to focus on, um, but I really am trying to keep it pretty loose because I don't want to put pressure on myself. Yeah, I want to enjoy it and ease into it. Love it. Yeah. How long did it take you to decompress? I'm still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I, I think it goes in phases. Like I'll go through a period of time where I get myself in a good routine and I'm feeling really good about stuff. I, I feel like I go through like sprints of mm. like being super productive and then crashing again and overdoing it and like not under, not understanding where my line is. Did you um, think when you had a job before that though, did, did, cause I feel like that's how I, that's how I am at work now. Yeah. Like just that there's these kind of peaks and valleys. Right. And yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's not, um, I'm trying to like put in structure that makes sense. Like I joined a co-working space and for a little while I was on the schedule of like working at the co-working space for a few hours in the morning and then going home and recording for a few hours. You know, I cook dinner every night. Um, I joined a yoga studio that's like this, I'm doing a trade, um, where I clean there two hours a week and then I get a free membership. Um, and I find that scrubbing toilets is very good for my ego. So, you know, um, I get a, I actually get a lot out of cleaning this yoga studio. Cause first of all, they clean it around the clock. So it's like, you're cleaning something that's already clean. So that's like yeah. very satisfying. Um, <laughs> but because I'm like putting time and energy into cleaning this place, it makes me want to work out there more. And so I'm learning things about like time and energy investment versus just spending money on something mm -hmm. and like the benefit to that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just, I'm still exploring. I'm, I'm definitely still exploring. And my mission this year is just like learning how to relax. Yeah. yeah. Let me know when you figure out how yeah. to. That's... I, I, I'm still working on it. So yeah. It's funny to make that the goal. It's like the goal is to relax. Yeah, harder. I know. Exactly. Do it yeah, it's on my to-do list. <laughs> like I'm going to check it off. Relax every day. Yeah. It's tough. And it, I got laid off, so it was a little different, but I think it only took me like two or three months to stop waking up in the middle of the night thinking I have a meeting in the morning or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, yeah, I was pretty checked out. I didn't care when I left. Yeah. So. You said earlier something about like, I didn't work that hard or I wasn't, or you were like, I wasn't trying to be like the best or, you no. know. And, and I, I mean, I don't know if, if I could have been the best if I even tried. It was the point that I was sure really trying could. to make. <laughs> But yeah, I wasn't trying that hard. Yeah. By the end, I was like, God, this is just dumb. Yeah. So, mm, feel you. Bad attitude. Very good. All right. Any other thoughts? Uh, I, no, no. Where can people find you? <laughs> um, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast, Friends on Fire, or you can go to our website at friendsonfire.org. Dot org, huh? Dot org. Yeah, well, that was all that was available. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on Instagram too, right? Yeah, we're on yeah. Instagram, friends.onfire. Riveting content. Riveting content. Good. You show a lot of like time lapse cleaning. Oh yeah. I, I'm I like, like when you were talking about cleaning things that are already clean, I was like, that does sound really enjoyable. It is very nice. <laughs> <laughs>
it is very good. Uh, yeah. Diana, how about you? Where? Um, you can listen to me on Optimal Finance Daily every single day of the year. Um, and then you can also check out the Economy Conference at economyconference.com. And tickets are available for the next event, which is a year away. So long time to wait, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. I'm excited. Amen. I'll be there. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm going to go too. And I want to thank Stephen for letting us record here at Camp Fi. It's a great uh, event overall. I love them. Super fun. And for the people that are listening and watching, you should come to one. There's several uh, throughout the country, throughout the year. And, and I'll be at all of them. So if you want to hang out with me. <laughs> Diana and her pants will be at all. So party pants. Are you packing the party pants? Of course. Yes. Thank you for all the questions. Really appreciate it. And then we'll, we'll answer more uh, now that we stop recording. So thanks a lot. Thanks again to Stephen over at campfi.org. And if you haven't been to one of the camps, they're fantastic. It's kind of interesting, like the first couple days, or not a couple days, it's only like three days total or so. But the first day, everyone's a little nervous. They don't know who is who. And we're just trying to like get our footing. There's many people that have been to a camp before, and then there's some new folks, and there's a, a wide range of experience levels and people on their journey to FI. So it's very interesting how it transforms over the few days. But if you haven't gone, it's certainly worth it. It's very fun. It's like summer camp for adults. It's just a, like a summer weekend, summer camp type weekend, and super fun. So I'm, I'm going again in the Rocky Mountain the week two. So it's coming up in a couple months here, but I'm very much looking forward to it. And one thing I forgot to mention earlier is I did a talk at this Camp Fi Southeast, and I'm going to be releasing it on the Mile High Fi YouTube channel. So that should be coming out soon if it's not out already. So keep an eye out for that. And again, thanks to Maggie and Diana, great help out there on the stage, and you guys did a great job. Be sure to check out their stuff, and we'll catch y'all on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, Make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week.